just a two putts for a second major. Holy shit. Come on, man. Because you're dealing with a frustrated player that is venting thoughts out there that may or may not be true. I'm eager, I'm ready. I know that I'm playing well enough to win. To be perfectly honest, just kind of pissed off that I haven't gotten it done yet. How's your relationship with Jordan nowadays? Are you guys still tight? Yeah, uh, he's the best man at my wedding, so I hope, uh, I hope he'd say the same. <laughs> Hello, everybody. My name is Shane Ryan, and I am joined by Sam Wyman and Alex Myers, all of us of Golf Digest. And we are so pleased to bring you the new podcast, Full Swing Thoughts, in which we analyze and overanalyze all things dealing with the new Netflix documentary, Full Swing. How this is going to work for every episode they put out, we're going to put out one of our own. And we have a special bonus episode where we interview Chad Mum, the executive producer. So lots of content coming your way. We're going to get deep on this thing, talk about everything we loved, everything we hated, everything that was in the middle, the themes, all of that stuff. Uh, and we've been waiting a long time, so we couldn't be more excited to get into it. You may have noticed that around the internet, there are other podcasts called Full Swing Thoughts. What are you going to do? That's life. I just want you to know it was an original idea when we had it. Uh, and that's probably all that needs to be said. So let's jump right into episode one. Sam, uh, we just finished watching this thing, and I thought the biggest revelation and the, the most interesting thing that we learned is that apparently Justin Thomas does not know how to use a credit card. Unable to process your payment. Swipe or insert card and follow instructions on PinPad. Please try to well. press health. I hope your checkout process goes better than mine. Thank you for shopping at CVS. Exactly. I, that was the most relatable part of the whole show was <laughs> him in, in that woman's voice at CBS. For those of you who haven't watched it, there's a scene when he's checking out at CBS and I never know how to use that machine. And he was equally as, as exasperated as I was. And just backing up for a second, I do feel like that's kind of what we signed up for. We want to see these yes. candid behind the scenes, very relatable moments about professional golfers. You know, there's, uh, you know, we'll talk about the episode more. There's a lot of stuff about, you know, the PGA championship and, and the kind of arcs of their career, but we wanted that sort of next layer down. And that was a great, a great piece. What I wanted to just, before we get into the episode though, do we want to talk really quickly about sort of what our expectations were for the show? Um, when we first heard they were doing it, obviously it was part of the background all of last year. So maybe Alex, you could start like, what was your hope when you first heard this was coming out? Well, Thanks to the suggestion by both of you guys to watch um, the Formula One documentary that Netflix did. I now I haven't, you know, I watched a couple episodes to kind of get a taste. Um, I could see Shane why you were sucked into getting into Formula One, and and that's what kind of what everybody was talking about. How this could be so big for the PGA Tour and for golf, uh, bringing in new fans. Um, I, I, so I, I was excited. I mean, we've been hearing about this for months and months and months. Um, you know, I think like Sam just alluded to, we want to see the stuff that we don't see as golf fans on the week to week basis. Obviously the PGA tour, um, is arguably on too much. I mean, it's on every week. It's on, you know, almost 50 weeks of the year. So we see the tournaments, we see what happens, who wins, who loses, but we want to see those stories from behind the scenes whether it's Justin Thomas struggling at CVS like we all do, or, or whether it's those guys working out in the gym, which we saw. So I think, um, you know, we're excited and we were hopeful to get a different look into the lives of these guys. 
Um, and to, to feel the drama, I mean, we know these guys feel the drama and they feel the pressure when they tee it up, but we want to know why they feel it and, and kind of how they get to those points. So obviously Netflix has done an incredible job doing that with the F1 series. Everybody raves about it. I even am going to keep watching it. I think I, I really like it. I don't know if I'm going to start watching the races, but, uh, <laughs> anyway, don't, I think don't. they have a lot to live up to with that series for sure. I made the mistake of watching uh, the race, Alex. Don't don't yeah, bother. I, I, there's no way I'm going to watch <laughs> the documentary. Is better. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, to, to your point, I think um, you know we're looking at something where, and Sam, we might drive you nuts by referring to Drive to Survive too much. But I mean, I know I've watched it too. Yeah. No. But I mean, you know, we don't want to compare every single thing. But oh, right. there is the thing where it's the same production company doing it, right? And and the effects on F1 were staggering. It becomes you know, a top 10 show in 56 countries with Netflix. Mm. Viewership of the races is up 40%. The U.S. is now the biggest market. So when you kind of like, you know, do your little parallel thinking, it's like, wow, what would that mean if this happened in golf? And there's eight episodes, you know, it's going to be about probably like six hours of TV. They can take an entire season, you know, everything that happened in 2022, pick out the best moments. And I think that's what I was looking forward to. Uh, just the little things, like what does Mito Pereira say on the 18th tee? at the PGA championship when he blows it. Um, and, you know, and they had that, they had the mic on him and, and he, he, that's the kind of thing where unless you were right next to him, you know, even if I was at the PGA, I, I wouldn't have gotten close enough to hear that. And he never would have admitted it. Right. And so to be able to hear that kind of stuff, I think that's where the magic is. And I think that's what I was like writ large, what I'm looking forward to here. Right. I, that Shane, I'm glad he said, he looked at his caddy. He goes, I fucked it up on the last hole, man. That oh. was unbelievable yeah. he said it right in the moment i mean i agree that's what we want to see uh, justin thomas with his dad when he wins you know the, the emotion coming out there we see yeah. it kind of on tv but they really get in there and so again that that gives me hope that we're going to see more of that also i was at southern hills covering that event I th almost think I forgot what a collapse Mito Pereira had. Oh my goodness. That'll be a one stroke penalty for Mito. And that is like, we don't talk, maybe it was everything else that happened this year, but we don't talk about him like a Vandeveld or a Norman or whatever. Right. Uh, but that I think was interesting for me that even a tournament I was at and wrote about and covered, and I was following Justin Thomas in between the playoffs. This, it didn't teach me anything new, but it reminded me of something, right? And so I'm like, you know, I'm the most immersed person. You couldn't tell me anything about the PGA Championship. Well, now watching that, what JT did in that little condensed period, it's like, oh yeah, man, that was a profound collapse that Pino Pereira had. So it kind of, it added something there, uh, even for someone like me, who was again, on site. Yeah, I, I what I wanted to just say, going back to Drive to Survive for a second, is I don't think that you can avoid the comparisons. Because everyone who watched that show who was in golf said while it first came out, why doesn't golf do this? Because mm -hmm. what that show did, which was hugely valuable, is it explained the whole ecosystem of auto racing for people who knew who know nothing about it. I mean, I basically didn't even know. I, mean, I knew that F1 was different than, than NASCAR, but that was the extent of it. <laughs> so you understand how many teams, how it works, what what the what the structure of the schedule is. All of that was was foreign to me, and what it did is it turned people who were casual observers of the sport or vaguely aware of the sport into people who had some sort of investment in some of the storylines. And my son, Charlie, is the best example. He did not watch auto racing before at all. He started watching Drive to Survive. He actually loves the races and can't go back and watch Drive to Survive 
And that's kind of what I think the goal of this is. This is not for golf fans. This show is not really for people who are strongly invested in golf to the extent that we are. Um, I think there's still a lot of value for us, but the real win here is explaining the world of professional golf to people who know basically nothing. And I've said this before to you guys, but it's worth mentioning the, the, the device that did this for me many years ago was John Feinstein's A Good Walk Spoiled. He wrote a book about inside the life of the PGA Tour. It was a full season. He chronicled it. Obviously, it was a book. It was not a Netflix series. But for me, who grew up really following other sports, explaining all of these elements of professional golf. Guys make cuts or they don't make money. They have to keep their card by making certain amount of money. Was. I mean, I knew there were four majors, so I knew some things. But like just the fact that there are all these layers of storylines every week, and that's the goal here, is so that when people watch this show, they then – go from watching this show say, oh, well, obviously the guy who wins is important, but there's all these other subsequent storylines. So anyway, I just think like that's to me what I think the goal of the show is. And I guess we can discuss whether it's did, did that in the first episode or not. Yeah. And I think that's ultimately the barometer of success for it, right, is how well it does this particular thing. And I think one interesting thing, uh, I wrote a feature uh, that's going to be coming out in the magazine, I think in January, and I spoke with Chad Mum, who's with Vox, and he was kind of like, the this is his baby producing the show. When he was signing players, uh, the F1 show was a big deal. All of the people, I, I talked with Matt Fitzpatrick, Tony Finau, Max Homa, Joel Damon, all of these guys knew that show and liked it. Because, you know, th these are sports guys, right? And a lot, of, a lot of their agents are European, or there's all these connections. They know F1 fans. They were all told to watch it, and they understood the impact that it could have. So when you're signing Ricky Fowler or you're signing Tony Finau, a big part of it was that they have this frame of reference, like, oh, wow, this is what it could do, and this is how good it could be. Um, Matt Fitzpatrick was <laughs> – he told me, he was like, you know, I love the F1 show, but then I watched Lewis Hamilton get robbed, and I don't watch races anymore. It was like a very a very grumpy kind of Matt mm -hmm. Fitzpatrick thing. But, again, they all liked it. So, yeah, so not only is it like the barometer of success, but it's also why they got so many people involved in the first place. Not always easy in golf, even for someone like Netflix, to get that kind of access. So looking at that, uh, judging by that, Alex, we had kind of bandied around a little bit before this idea of there is a lot of stuff out there that is not that is going to be rudimentary, elementary for really big golf fans, right? Like we had par explained to us, right. for instance. So right. what, what was your kind of take on that? I mean, do you think they struck the balance between tr trying to appeal to sort of all camps here? I do. I, you know, they they would flash a, a graphic on the screen, you know, eagle two under par on a hole or, or this or that. They had I know they had a, a Amanda Renner explain the tournament format. I mean, these are things that they we take for granted, obviously, as golf fans. They, they do have to address some of these things. And, um, you know, to Sam's point, this really isn't for the hardcore golf fan. I mean, it, it can be for sure. But, you know, we you joked about, uh, you know, a spoiler alert. There's no spoiler alerts in terms of what happens in these tournaments. We know, we know what happens, especially because we followed it all year. So it's their challenge to come up with ways to keep us, the golf fans interested. But if you're not a golf fan and you don't really know what happened, you're actually into those whole scenes. Like who's actually going to win this tournament. So, uh, which I was when I'm watching the F1 thing, because, you know, I've heard a couple of those names, uh, did a story on Lando Norris actually last year, but I don't really no, I don't know anybody who won anything over there. So um, it is a balance that they have to strike. But I thought in the first episode, uh, it, it, they did a they did a pretty good job. They didn't they didn't hit 
you know, there weren't a lot of times where I was just rolling my eyes. I mean, the whole premise being Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth being <laughs> friends is kind of funny because obviously that's the running joke on golf Twitter. It's like the most obvious thing and every, but not everybody's on golf Twitter. Right. So you have to kind of remember that. I, I, I think there's, I mean, there was 20 times or like that if we were looking at this through the prism of golf snobs, which we all kind of are, kind of are, we, yeah. We, we would be like, no, this doesn't, this kind of clangs for us. The the biggest one right from the start, and I even texted Shane because we got these screener episodes. The first episode, they say the first tournament they feature is the RBC Heritage. No so offense weird. to that tournament, yeah. but that's the first tournament that they're featuring. And they're talking about how the the stakes of professional golf tournaments are huge. And, and you know, this is one of the most prestigious tournaments in golf. It's one of the great tournaments in golf. Don't get me wrong. But my immediate thought about RBC Heritage is A, it's the week after the Masters, which is the biggest <laughs> tournament in golf. Right. And B, its reputation because of that is it's the week where everyone exhales and it's a little bit more low key. So I texted Shane. I'm like, is this the first episode? It makes no <laughs> sense. But yeah. again, if you're a novice golf fan, that's not on your radar in the slightest. And so it's and, almost ir- irrelevant. Yeah. I, and it was very funny when you texted me that because I, when I got the screeners, immediately contacted Netflix 10 minutes in and was like, did you send me the pilot? I had the exact same experience. And that, you know, I think there, there is a, a point though, where we can sort of be like, okay, well, we know we're hardcore golf fans and it's a little bit absurd to cast the PGA championship as Justin Thomas versus Jordan Spieth or whatever. Right. Like we're going to have our little qualms and that's part of the, you know, the storytelling devices they use, but also it is, it's like, you know, I think we can critically evaluate whether this felt like a boomer first episode or, you know, we can almost put ourselves in the position of what would this be like if we weren't golf fans? Um, and I, I think that that was an interesting question for me is, did it do a good job of connecting with these guys? And I thought one one place where it did a wonderful job was with Mike Thomas. Um, you know, I, I thought the part where Mike Thomas spoke honestly about his relationship with his father, my father, he was pretty difficult on me. That was his way to motivate me. But we butted heads because of that. I just remember not enjoying uh, how I felt being treated that way. And I just kind of made a promise to myself that I would just never treat my children that way. And now his father, you know, was hard on him. And I think he the exact quote was something like, I just remember I didn't feel very good. You know, it didn't feel very good to be treated that way. I vowed to not treat my kids that way. Exactly. Which was was very impactful. And I I remember when JT won the 2017 PGA Championship and it was all sort of, oh, this is so special because look what his granddad did. And this adds a layer of subtlety and complication to it. And that's like, that to me was like almost the high point of the episode. And then I felt the low points might've been some of the interactions between JT and Jordan, uh, the phone call that Jordan made to him, there were certain things that felt either bland or almost manufactured to me in a certain way that felt like this isn't hitting. And I don't think it's just because I know it already. But to what extent, Malx, you can answer this question. To what extent do you think that is a byproduct of kind of what you already know about these guys? Like, you know, these guys are talk all the time. They wouldn't have right. a FaceTime call asking about, about his best man yeah. speech. So, I'm just wondering if if we remove that baggage that we're carrying into the episode, if we'd have a different perspective. Yeah, it's possible we would for sure. And and we still got, you know, the scenes of them on the, the, the private jet together. And I thought them going to, you know, play that practice round ahead of the PGA was kind of cool because we always, 
we always hear about players doing that, but you actually kind of got to see them going through the motion. You got to see a little behind the scenes, even the travel there. Um, but no, it is it is going to be tough to uh, to separate that because we are so entrenched uh, in following golf. I, I will say though, it, it, I do again. I'm not a documentarian or docu series director. You don't even know what the word is, so you're definitely not. Exactly. Whatever it is, you're not that. <laughs> Starting with this episode was odd. A from the timing. B from I don't really know what it else sets up down the stretch. I get why they then, if they were going to focus the episode on these two guys, they would start with Hilton Head because that was the only tournament Jordan won. And then soon after, JT won the only tournament he won. So if they were going to do an episode on these two guys, I get why they would focus on it. I just don't know why they started now. And I, and I hope that that's not a deterrent for the casual fans, but maybe because the casual fans have no clue that, this was such an odd choice that they won't be bothered by it. So I, I'm not I think, sure. Yeah. I think that's, that's the the bet they're making is that right. you know, the average fan is not looking at it through this jaundiced eye of like, why they start with these guys? They're thinking, Oh, these guys are two really big stars in golf. And first of all, the, the name of the uh, episode is frenemies. They're, Perfect. they're two of the best players in golf. They're really good friends. They go back, you know, 12 years, their history is there. And one guy had a meteoric rise off the gates and one guy's sort of catching up. So all of those elements are really compelling elements. Again, we're looking at like, well, okay, but it's the PGA and, and go on. I know, but it's like, when you look back at the whole year, neither of them were, they, they weren't even in the top 10 story. We just did our newsmakers. Like, it's just weird. I mean, unless they're trying to build up and, and then if they were going to build up, I know we were just talking about it. We know that like Joel Damon is going to be in it down the stretch and we know how great he is on camera. And and he's more of a character that you would find in a good walk spoiled, you know, a guy like yeah. who's actually fighting for something more than, you know, these guys are superstars, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. So like, I almost wonder why they didn't start with that. And if they're going to try to build and again, I'm not, it's very difficult, I'm sure, to go through a whole season of stuff and whatever. It's, it, it, and and what I will say, too, is we've talked about this. Golf is really tough to chronicle, at least to put, yeah. you know, capsulize like this. Maybe maybe some other people would say the same thing with Formula One, but Formula One, they have like the 20 drivers they're focused on, and it's like over and over again, it's the same guys who are like battling down the stretch in these races. Like, it's just not like that on the PGA right. Tour. And so for Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas, they wanted to find this, like, well, they're competitors. They, there were no tournaments last year where they actually, like, battled <laughs> down the stretch. I mean, yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's tougher to kind of force those storylines than than maybe it is for Formula One. And I think, Alex, the other thing I was thinking about, and you, you've seen Drive to Survive now, is that that is a very loud, intense sport. Yes. And and you have personalities, not just the racers, but, you know, you've seen Toto Wolf and Christian Horner the team leaders and how charismatic they are and all the drama that happens in the races and the screaming and yelling. And I, you know, I asked Chad mom, we met in Memphis, you know, again, the guy who's, you know, responsible for making this a really smart and talented guy. You know, I said, are you going to try to juice up golf to be like that? Or are you going to do it a little differently? Are you going to, you know, make it more state, you know, reflect what it kind of is like more, it's more peaceful, quiet sport. And his answer was that we're going to try to juice it up. And I think you saw that in this episode, both in the trailer, when you have the clanging dramatics and, yeah. you know, and, and like, there's just, they're, they're trying to make it intense and you're right. It's, it's a, 
it's a tightrope to walk because that mm-hmm. is not golf. They don't have a season long championship that is of a, as high a status as the F1 right. thing would be. You know, right. it, there is there's certain things about it that are like, yeah, you're not going to have Justin. You, you want to do an episode of Spieth and Thomas? We get it, but there's not going to be one tournament almost and ever probably in their entire careers where they're dueling toward the end. That's just the way golf works, right? You know, so there's things like that. And then they're also they're also not like going to take each other's job from each other, you know, like, like some of these mm-hmm. teammates are, yeah, and they're yeah. also not going to die potentially, which like, <laughs> F- I mean, F1 does have, I'm sorry. Did you little... see Jordan Spieth on the cliff at Pebble beach? Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> then they could have started with that then because F1 does have a leg up with that in the drama too, because you know, like show like the parents are watching and they showed, you know, they showed Justin Thomas's parents watching him. And like, certainly they're like, they, they can barely watch. They're so nervous. But these other parents don't want to see their kids right. die on the racetrack. So there is an added level, level of drama. So, again, it's hard to really compare the two sports for a variety of reasons. You know, one thing that I – you just mentioned something about juicing up golf, Shane. And in some ways, that's what they're going to do, and that's what they try to do in the first episode. As a As a golf nerd, the one thing that – I didn't feel like they did a good job in the first episode, but since we haven't seen the other seven is actually like the actual playing of golf. They didn't really do a great job capturing that in any sort of unique way. It was, he made a putt to get to 300. Then he made another, like there was not, mm-hmm. yes. and yes. you know, maybe that's too much to ask because you, you have to cover so much ground, the personalities, the importance of the tournaments, the schedule, like, but you know, I guess as again, as a golf nerd, you know, Hitting a 120 yard shot to a, a tucked pin, like that kind of stuff is interesting to me. And getting a little bit of insight into those little moments, I I wanted that. And I don't feel like I got that in the first episode. I don't think it's too much to ask at all. And I think that might be, you just might have made the most important point. I don't know if you guys remember this from the Masters a couple of years ago, but whatever their coverage was, they had the coverage where, you know, online you could zoom in on certain groups. And I think No Laying Up put on Twitter a three-minute clip of Spieth and Greller talking about a mm. shot he was going to hit, I think, 13, right? 13 or right. 15? One of the par 13, I think, the par five. I like the hybrid more than that. It's 230 hole? Yeah. I just think, I just think it fits the shape of the hole better and it gives you more margin for room, you know? And just, it was so fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe Sam, to your point is like, that would have been like, if we could see more of that, like these sort of like dynamics between the players and caddies or, or even like the quiet poetry of golf, right? The poetry of F1 racing is loud and noisy. And that show did a brilliant job capturing that. I think maybe, yeah, that I think that was I, totally agree with you there. It's, it's really funny because every week, the, the biggest complaint from golf fans is we don't hear enough of these caddy player interactions and there are a variety of reasons for that because they don't want to be mic'd up it's intrusive whatever but this show is actually the opportunity to do sure. it yeah. and they had that justin thomas is one of the guys and he happens to win a major and he happens to do it from coming from seven back and i know he didn't make that birdie on 18 but the shot the approach he hit on 18 was this legendary sure. shot right like at least give us a little and he happens to have the most famous caddy in the game as well working for him that could have been so much better and then the playoff you're right it was more just like scoreboard 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 justin thomas birdied the first two playoffs zal torres birdied the first like it it was like it wasn't just dramatic it was they they raised their game in those moments and it would again easier said than done because they're trying to cover so much ground here but the fact that they did have one of their guys 
win a major in such dramatic fashion, you're right. We could have had a little more insight on what was going on in his head in, in the heat of the moment, for sure. So before we go any further, because we're talking about sort of the things we wanted out of the episode and what we got out of the episode, we had talked about how successful this show was in conveying the game to a novice. So we talked about how we would do that. And we have a, a woman on our staff who's incredibly talented uh, product head of our product team, Amy Hartford, but she's not a golfer. She doesn't really watch golf. Um, she knows, you know, she knows enough to, to do her job very well, but she doesn't really understand the intricacies of the game. So we gave her the first episode and I decided to ask her to watch it and sort of give her assessment from her perspective. So let's just listen to that really quickly and then we'll come back. Okay, Amy Hartford, Golf Digest Product Dynamo. We had come into this with the premise that maybe this show is not for me. You are admittedly not a golf nerd or even an avid golfer or someone who watches golf. So we right. ask you to watch the show and give your assessment of the first episode about whether it made you more interested in golf. So let's start with that. Okay. So I watched the first episode. Um, I'm not a golfer, as you said, I'm a very casual golf fan. You know, I read the highlights. I know who Tiger Woods is, uh, but I'm not by any means like a golf super fan. But um, let's just be clear. You do work at Golf Digest. You're surrounding correct. yourself with golf content all the time. So by through osmosis, you know more than the average novice. Correct. That's okay. correct. Um, I, my first impression of the show was that it was two one oh one. There's a lot of exposition about how golf works, how the four majors work, um, you know, how a, tour, a, a PGA Tour tournament works. And I found that part to be just too 101. I, it didn't make me more interested in watching golf generally. Do you think that some of those elements that you think are kind of rudimentary, would you have known that if you did not work at Golf Digest? I think so. You know, some of the things that they explain were like what par is, mm -hmm. you know, and they put up par on the screen and they put up what an eagle is, what a birdie is. Like, I felt like that stuff was a bit too basic. Okay. You also made reference, we talked before we started recording about that you, you knew enough about the characters to know that they're big enough names, but maybe not the most compelling personalities to start your first show with. Right. Yeah. So you know, they started the first show, the whole first show was with Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth and their relationship. But, you know, even the teasers for subsequent episodes look more interesting to me when they move on to people like Brooks Kepka and Rory McIlroy. You know, and I feel like they have, am I allowed to say this, bigger personalities yeah, totally. that would, would have more compelling behind the scenes footage to start off the series with. Okay. What about, you know, we talked a little bit about the balance between the kind of the level of golf detail and just kind of general human interest storylines. Like, you know, as a, again, as a golf nerd, I kind of wanted more golf wonky material. Mm -hmm. Where do you think it fell on that spectrum for you? I actually, you know, as a non-golf nerd, I wanted less golf. I wanted more about the human drama and interpersonal relationships and the rivalries. Like that to me would have made watching golf sure. in the future more interesting and would have made me more invested in the players, the tournaments, the outcomes. You know, the fact that it was so heavily skewed uh, towards the, the actual golf and the tournaments made me lose interest a lot faster. Yeah. 
All right, putting you on the spot, what is <laughs> one thing or several things that you did learn from this episode that maybe you didn't know and that you found compelling? Thomas I knew that they were buddies and I've seen things on social media with them, you know, going on golf trips and like teasing each other and attending weddings and stuff, but I didn't know how far back their relationship went. I also didn't know um, about the, was it JT's dad? Sure. Yeah, I didn't know that he was his coach and that he was with him at all the events. Like that, that to me was probably the most interesting part. And I would have wanted to see more of that. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. It's a loaded question based on what Shane, Alex, and I talked about, which is what were your thoughts about, not remind the people, but sort of like the events they started with? Did, did that, did anything about that stand out to you? Well, if the, if one of the goals of the series is to kind of, draw people into golf i would have started with something more dramatic like uh like the masters everyone right. knows what the masters is start with i would have started with something that has more like mass appeal right it's kind of a slight to the pga championship but we'll put that aside Sorry. Sorry. No, well, i mean that's one part the other, <laughs> no that's fair the other part of it is the fact that the, the what we struck with us is they it started after the masters so the first episode mm -hmm. we talked about this was the RBC Heritage, which is the week right. after the Masters, and the PGA, which is in May, to the extent that when I got the screeners from Shane, I texted Shane. And I said, Shane, is this episode one? Because they're starting with the RBC. It doesn't make any sense. So right. that's what jumped out at us. But you're right. The actual like dramatic element of what happened during that sequence also not that dramatic. So all right. Uh, we we had, This is really insightful. We had said that uh, we're going to make you watch all remaining seven episodes and then check back with you at least one more time at the end yeah. to see <laughs> – what happens and hopefully you're saying that it can deliver more than it delivered in episode one yeah i'm hoping we get more more uh, interpersonal drama fair enough all right good stuff <laughs> thank you amy thank you sam <laughs> well yeah that's really good to have amy's perspective there and I, I think that's what we wanted is to see what people who are outside the bubble kind of think about this um there are a couple other things i wanted to to bring up to you guys and, and just to kind of ask your opinion on if we can maybe put our tv critic hats on for a second i, I know we're not tv critics i do a little bit of it you are really. you're a tv I, I guess you I are am. a tv I guess critic I am. but uh but what did you I, i'm just curious what you guys thought about the production the music things like that i know they had a little bit of hosier at the end there we don't have to spend a lot of time on this but i i just in terms of the quality of it like for example, maybe this is the best question to ask. When JT won, when they're entering that climax where he won the PGA yeah. Championship, whatever else you thought about the rest of the episode, were there goosebumps there? You know, did it did it emotionally affect you? I wrote down Radiohead-esque music, so I I liked it. I like. I, I had to Shazam it. It was it was Hozier. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It was good for the mood, for sure. Um, no, I think, and again, my eye is not, I watch a ton of TV, but like I wouldn't, I would expect something at this high of a level to just be done really well. And it came off as being done well. I mean, I don't think they were, It. it if anything, I'm just saying, like what Sam was saying, they could have given us more info on what was happening, like explaining why it was dramatic. They, sure. they certainly showed us that it was dramatic, but- we could have just taken the next level. So uh, yeah, it's such a tough question to answer, Shane. I'm really racking my brain because I I cannot detach sort of my, what I knew, what I know about golf. But I, what I will say is this, 
some of the best documentaries, like the 30 for 30s from ESPN, there's been some, some incredible ones. Yeah. And or just they they do one of two things. If they do well, they do one of two things. It's either something you knew nothing about and they shed a new light on it, or it's something that you knew or I should say right. something you knew nothing about that you completely are exposed to for the first time or something you did know something, but they add another layer. I don't feel like this did that for me, but mm -hmm. again, I'm the wrong audience. I didn't have the emotional attachment because I'm like, I know he wins the PGA. I know kind of right. what the rest of the season was like. I like Justin Thomas, you know, yeah. I didn't need to be sold on Justin Thomas, but it didn't achieve that for me. I will just say, I think I, the point is well made, which we keep saying of, okay, maybe it's not 100% made for us. However, it should still appeal to us in some way. Yeah, no, Bring true. up the example of The Last Dance, right? I know what happened in 1998. I was a basketball fan back then. I've read books about it. I know the Bulls won. I know how dramatic it was. That documentary still, like, was insane to me. It was like, now, there was a lot of new stuff there. To be no, fair, no, when it's over 20 years yeah. old. Yeah, 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 yeah true. Also, you're revisiting all this stuff. It's totally it's different. Little, yeah. You know, it's not as fresh in your mind. So you you don't really remember that much. That is fair. That is fair. I just, I just think it would be a mistake, and I don't think they're saying this. I think it would be a mistake to make a show like this and say, we don't have to worry about appealing to the golf people. Right, I think you should still. No, I, appeal. I think you should still appeal to the golfers to watch it. They have yeah. to have golf people watch it. Yeah, yeah. Of but course, no, you're right. I just don't. Of course, yeah. they can't be like. Well, never mind them. It's just. It's just you know, just just a little bit enough to keep them engaged. And it's kind of like they're going to watch it anyway, right? Every hardcore golf fan is going to watch this, so you just don't need to work that hard for them. Is I guess the difference. Totally. I, I will say, and I kind of said it before, and, and Sam brought it up with the, with the good walk spoiled. For me, and again, I'm not there might be people who don't disagree with this, but like the, the best, maybe the best 30 for 30 documentary I could think of was the one on Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson. Mm -hmm. And I love underdog stories. And obviously a lot of people love underdog stories. That's why we root for underdogs I, again. And I know there's a lot more time. They're going to get into some of the rookies like Tagala and they're going to get into the Joel Damon's, but like, those are kind of the stories that really can like, even the people who follow the sport don't really hear that much about those guys. I feel like that's where they could really dig in. And again, this was just the first episode. Sure. Maybe they wanted to start with a couple star names for a reason because they, they, they didn't want people to say, who the heck are these guys? But I, those, that's where I'm hoping there's room to tell like some of these really great stories. I'd have to go back and look at a good walk spoiled, but I rem actually, I remember specifically, it started with Davis love who at that point was a star, but, you okay. know, it started with him. Again, it's a book, so it's not really a fair comparison, but I just remember that book was so, um, so great at exposing you to the different layers. Cause I had, it had a lot on Greg Norman, ironically, and Greg Norman came across as a pretty sympathetic character, definitely explained why he was also divisive even then, but you learned a lot about him. So he had your stars you had your John Cooks one like that. And then you had your you know, Paul Goidos is the great example. He was the star of that book. He's right. today's Joel Damon or right. Joel Damon is today's Paul Goidos in the yep. sense that he was a journeyman. He learned his story. He was very relatable. And the great thing about it was you got access to all those, but I don't recall. I think you need to start with someone that's going to draw you in. Okay. You know? I think, yeah. I think that's why they, they chose to start with those guys. I totally agree. Uh, I, I actually kind of agree with both of you that you, you do need the star power at front, but you also have to follow what's interesting in the end. And I, I think, you know, Chad told me episode number two, which we haven't seen about Brooks Kapka is like a banger. That's, you know, supposedly that was a really good one. So I think there are, but I, yeah, I think this was kind of like a, 
placid way to start almost, but with two really big names. And so that was probably their calculation. Um, I thought maybe just like maybe pinpoint some moments that really worked for us. We, you know, we've talked about the little things, but when we talk about, you know, the cameras can get where we can't get necessarily. Mm -hmm. Another one I wanted to point out that I just loved was at the end when Thomas, after he wins, is walking with Julius Mason mm -hmm. uh, from the PGA of America. And he said something, I wrote it down. He said, this happens so fast, man. Like it sucks. You want, I wish it would go slower so you could like enjoy it more. You know what I mean? And I thought that was so awesome. No, those are the kind of moments I could take eight hours of those, right? Sure. Where it's like, he knows he just won, but he also has the sense that he's never going to have the moment back where he won. It's all celebration from here on out. But he realizes the special thing has already passed and it passed so quickly that he didn't feel like he could embrace it. And I was yeah. like, man, that is so cool because that's something who can experience that. You know what I mean? Or maybe right. we all have in small yeah. ways and whatever way. But yeah, so I just wanted to like flag that as something where I'm like, if they have stuff like that, it would be, you know, just a monumental success the show. You know, it's funny. First of all, uh, the, the real loss there is not enough Julius Mason because those of you those of us know Julius Mason. He's a charismatic guy on his own. But leaving that aside, you mentioned that scene. And right before that, I thought I didn't think about it at the time. But now I'm thinking about it. The Justin Thomas is two putt to win. Mm -hmm. It's a two putt from 15 feet. Why is this even really in doubt? And they show his mom and dad yeah. and and how nervous they are right then. And as a father of a golfer, like nothing is assured, right? And mm -hmm. you know how important this is. So just that anxiety over something that we as sort of um, jaded golf writers are like, well, he's going to two putt from there. There's no problem. Shows you how nerve wracking and how much um, is at stake for not just these players, but the people around them. Yeah, for sure. And, and that was funny. The angle they showed, it looked like he really had a lot of pace on that putt. <laughs> and like curled around. Like I, I did get nervous. I even got nervous watching it because, because that's the situation too, where it's like, like you said, Sam, it's such an easy situation for them. But if he blows it, then you're like an all time goat in the wrong way. The downside so, is horrendous, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, we just had seen that previously with, like we mentioned the Mito Pereira. Um, I agree, Shane, any sort of audio that we got to hear that we'd never heard before. Obviously we didn't hear Mito Pereira dropping the F-bomb to his caddy during the CBS broadcast. So that was new. The the Mike Thomas, you know, in tears, like, I'm so happy for you. And he goes mm -hmm. to JT, the JT trying to like exactly put it, put it in perspective about how quick it went. I I loved all that stuff for sure. I mean, that's um that's what we're looking for for sure out of this. And and we got we definitely got some of that. I just I just think that there's definitely room for, for even more of that going forward. Um, even while they're kind of explaining to, to people what's going on, because that's the kind of stuff you don't have to explain. It doesn't matter if you're a golf fan or not. Obviously you can understand those emotions, those real emotions that are coming out of these athletes. Yeah. Oh, I, I also have to say, I like them in the gym. Sure. And the competitiveness <laughs> in the gym, the one when the trainer, I guess it was Joey D or whatever says about how they put Dustin Johnson's player of the year banner. I love that they put these mm -hmm. banners up and that JT had to like do crunches or whatever, looking up at that banner. That was really funny. I I, I like that. That was, that was cool. He also had an underrated line there where he said, I think you should be forced to take them down after a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> as in, as in you can only enjoy your accomplishments for so long before right. the hunger goes away. Right. I, um, I, I think, uh, yeah, Alex, to your point that that's dead on. And I, 
if I were giving notes, which is a really presumptuous thing to say, because I'm also not a documentarian, but like, if I were like, this is what worked for me, this didn't yeah. like fewer sit down, fewer sit down interviews yeah. pretty yes. much with everyone. Like yes. don't really need them. Um, not that they were bad or anything, but just, it was like the least compelling more of the filming of like the gym scene or catching them in the real moments. And then also less of the moments of like, Jordan Spieth calling him on FaceTime or yeah. Greller being like, when's the first time you met Justin? Things yeah. that to me are like, maybe I've watched too much TV, but for me, they really read as set up, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that was the part I just didn't like. That, that's you having a little bit of insight in how the sausage is made. I feel yeah. like, you know, I, I feel like most people aren't recognizing that as manufactured as much as we are. So I think, yeah, you know, I mean, most people watch reality TV and they think it's all real. Right. Yeah. <laughs> true, true, true. I mean, it's all, it's all staged on some level. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's crazy. I mean, the fact, obviously they're filming Jordan Spieth when he's making that call right. and it just so happened to be filming Justin Thomas when he's picking up the phone. So, sure. right. yeah. So um, one thing I want to just ask real quickly or touch on before we go and, and is about live because yeah. we know that this, from a, from where we sit here at the end of 2022, it was the biggest story of 2022. Um, it's kind of uh, has a, an ominous presence, but very subtly in the first episode. What do you think the challenge will be for them to convey that as the show goes on? Well, it's a huge challenge. I mean, I, I originally all last year, once obviously we knew this documentary was coming out, everything else. I, and I think there's a trailer where Ian Poulter says, man, you picked the right year to to do this. That's how I kind of felt. But now the fact that they like barely even mentioned in the first episode, and obviously they're going to get into a lot more of it, especially if they're going to do a Brooks Kepka episode in, in uh, number two, it almost though makes it trickier. I mean, well, it definitely makes it trickier, but I mean, it almost, I don't know. It's, it's just so different than what, um, any other year has been that if they're trying to show us what it's like on tour, it's like, well, this isn't really what it's like on tour because this has never happened before. So I, I look, I, good luck to them because <laughs> I think it, it threw, a, you know, even more, made it even more difficult for, for figuring this all out and how to, how to put everything into a series. Shane, you have some insight into this based on the feature you wrote and the reporting you did. So I'm curious to your perspective, um, what, you know, what, of what they said. Yeah, I think, you know, talking to Chad, that was one of my big questions was, is this good or bad for you? Right. Because as Alex just said, it adds drama, but it certainly adds complications too. And I think in the end, it was probably good for them, right? Like anytime there's a really dramatic story, you find a way to tell it. Um, I think there's going to be some interesting things to look for with it, which is, you know, a lot of the subjects they picked ended up going to live. Poulter, mm. Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, these guys went, how are they going to cover that? Right. Um, this is a collaboration to some extent with the PGA tour. We can't ignore that either. They, they have pretty much total freedom, I think, to do what they want. However, you know, they worked with the PGA tour to get this, you know, the rights and everything. So it's like, you know, live in PGA tour, are obviously enemies. How, how does that influence the coverage? These are questions I don't know the answer to, but are going to be really interesting. That said, I, I think I trust them completely that they had the freedom to pursue this honestly. And I think the mm -hmm. tour knew when they signed them on and, and Vox knew and box to box and Netflix knew that in order to make this good, it can't be a propaganda show. They, right. I sure. think that was the general understanding that we have to do this the right way. So, but I, yeah. I think that'll be interesting. And then, yeah, it's just, you know, 
we saw Rory have a sit down, right? We know he's going to be involved in this. Uh, and so from that first episode, we kind of get the indication, you know, I think maybe it'll be interesting to see, like, I think Rory could be a big player here. Yeah. To me, the challenge is not so much whether the tour looks good or who looks good throughout this. It's to make it coherent. Again, going back to my earlier Mm -hmm. point about sort of educating people on the the ecosystem that is golf. It's already so complicated. You know, the PGA tour, these players play there, but there's these four majors. And now we're like, okay, now there's this other tour that is run by the Saudis and, but they can still play the majors. Like, Again, maybe I'm not giving the average viewer much credit, but it no, just you're, golf fans don't even know the difference between the PGA and the PGA Tour. I mean, it, there's a lot. I agree. It's 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 very complicated. Uh, yeah, it's so this just made it made their jobs a lot harder. But like you said, Shane, it's not like anyone was completely blindsided by this. Uh, they knew about it going in, and I'm glad to hear you're saying that that they had this freedom because I always obviously raise a little bit of a, you know, skeptical eye when I, when I see like who's involved in a documentary and even like the last dance, it kind Mm -hmm. of came out that it was very one-sided towards MJ because they needed MJ's cooperation and to do that. Then they kind of had to tell his side of the story and not get everybody else's. So as good as that one was, you know, you always have to take a step back and say, who is the partner in this? Who is benefiting from this? Who is, scared about certain things coming out obviously and so i'm glad to hear at least you say that the the tour kind of let these guys you know do with it what they want what they want yeah say. and the proof will be in the pudding right we don't, i don't know anything i mean i this is just my guess is how it worked but you're right there are going to be subtle influences there no matter what sure. at, at least subtle influences put it that way right. uh so yeah i mean it'll be but i think sam your point is right how do you that, that probably is the biggest challenge. How do you tell this story coherently? Now, that being said, and I'm sure you guys have perspective on this too, I was just down covering the LPGA Tour Finals and a, a newspaper writer from Jacksonville told me that, you know, I've written golf for 40 years or however long he's been there. He said, nothing has ever gotten more traffic than the live golf stuff. And they keep saying, write more live golf, write more live golf, because everybody wants to read it. So while at the same time, it could be hard to make coherent and to explain, I think there is also a natural appeal to the general story of it. Sure. Sure. So, so I think there's, there's two elements there that could balance each other out. All right. Let me ask you the last question. I know that you're the host, but I'm going to ask the question to close us out, which is, um, take off your golf snob hat for one second. Okay. You've watched one episode. I personally watch a thousand shows on Netflix where I watch the first episode. I'm like, eh, I'm good. And I don't, I don't continue. Does this satisfy your desire to watch the second episode? If it were a documentary about ping pong, which I know nothing about and I watched it and this was the first episode, I probably would not continue. I, I, I don't know. I, maybe I would. It's, it's so difficult. I, I, I don't, I will certainly continue if it was golf, <laughs> but I like golf and I, that's, I'm trying to take the golf snob hat on and just try to be an objective viewer. If I saw this, does it rise to the level of drive to survive for me where it's a sport I don't care about and don't know about, but it makes me want to watch the entire season and multiple seasons and maybe even the sport itself. I, I don't know. I don't think so, but I, but I, I, I think it could change a lot, even in the space of one episode. I would say that, Unlike Sam, I I usually give everything at least two episodes. So I would definitely at least give it that second episode. First episodes are really tough for any show. I mean, even if if it's a scripted show or whatever, like you almost, you almost have to keep them separately. They they have to set up so much stuff. What, what was weird about this is that it didn't set up that many things. It just kind of like, 
it really focused on JT and Spieth for the most part. I thought they were going to set it up more. So maybe the structure of this show is going to be totally different where each episode really just focuses on one person or, or two people. But to me, I always, you know, the first episode, I, I kind of give a pass okay. um, because there's just a lot more that you have to do in that first episode. So yeah, it's I almost definitely like, watch yeah, that's fair. Episode. That's really fair. I almost think that I don't know exactly how they did this. I mean, I know how they, you know, they just went behind the scenes and recorded, but in terms of how they set out to structure it, but it's almost like they had a jigsaw puzzle. They just dumped all the pieces on the table and they're like, well, I guess these two go together. Like we just go start on that one. And then they just kind of did that. And I'm like, I yep, guess we'll do those yep. two because, you know, we're looking again, golf snobs chronologically. Like, okay. They're going to start with, you know, the Hawaii swing and then California. And then, you know, you're going to tell those stories and what we've already learned is you know it's just that's not the way they're gonna go and um they're gonna just find these other threads and to be and to be fair we already said that in golf um you know as much as the pga tour wants the fedex cup to be the big thing and and i i do think it's a big thing obviously it's not that like one thing that defines golf that we're all whereas f1 has a much more structured throughout the season thing so to be fair, it did, doesn't have to go in chronological order throughout the season. I get that. They they can kind of jump around. Um, I just thought they might set up more angles going forward. Uh, that, that and, and I still am just surprised with what they started with. Yeah, yeah I want to I be clear that my position of what I just said is very, very tenuous. And mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. it's like whatever criti- criticisms I have, I want to be fully prepared when you all Listen to episode two to hear a completely different Shane Ryan sure. <laughs> talk about. Yeah, you know, it could be Gaga for the show within three episodes. It's happened yeah. before, believe well, me. Well, one thing is very clear. I mean, this is episode one, so there's a lot talking about the expectations of the show and some of the background, but it does give us a lot to talk about. So yeah. I guess the hope is we're going to do this for every episode, and we're going to as soon as we get episode two to watch, we're going to watch that and, and go from there. Can I ask one more question to you guys? I'm sorry, Sam. I know you said it was the last one, but I, I have to ask this, and you might want to delete it after I do. Go. What do you feel? What do you feel about the allergies? Well, are you saying that was manufactured? No, no, no. I don't think it was manufactured. I'm wondering if JT is our first COVID champion. Oh, my gosh, conspiracy <laughs> theorist. I just want to throw it out there. I don't. I don't know. Wow. I have no proof. I have wow. no proof. But Shane, it, I, I'm surprised you guys didn't think that it was the very first thing. I, I never. Thought. First of all, okay. first of all, he wouldn't be the first COVID champion because I'm sure. I mean, if we really want to get into the weeds here. There was a full season 2021 where everyone got it at some point. So sure, sure. Um, <laughs> oh, but that's ooh, that could be. I, I that really didn't cross my mind, and it is no like Tiger is always notoriously has bad allergies as well. It's May, so I'm going to assume that it really actually was just allergies. It's but a great it, question, Shane, because okay, what just okay. happened with Rory admitting that he and Tiger probably had COVID at the uh, the Open last year, and that's by right. the way, people just kind of went, "Oh, okay." I mean, like, yeah. Uh, I, I, dep- I don't, you know, depends on where you fall, you know, it's an outdoor sport and this and that, but like the rules are kind of in place that, you know, if you have COVID, you're probably not supposed to compete in a, in a sporting <laughs> event with other people. So that's why, that's why I was very trepidatious. No, about it's a, it it's a they- great question. And clearly some of that stuff has happened. Um, and, you know, in Tiger, in Rory's case, he almost won the open in Tiger's case, he got at least that tearful send-off potentially to St. Andrews, but Justin Thomas, I don't know. I mean, you know, put, put it at, you're putting an asterisk on his uh, two majors now. <laughs> I mean, it would almost be more impressive. It would be the opposite of an asterisk. Okay, fine. Right. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. yeah. All right, I got to hop, guys. This is good. I'm excited for the rest of these. I am too. Same here. We'll see you for episode two, right?